What's going on, everybody? We're back. It's the Sooners Illustrated Podcast, episode 51 on this Thursday, January 18th, 2024. Josh Calloway, Colin Kennedy with you on a Thursday. The transfer portal is winding down. CK and I are going to recap what Oklahoma has done in the portal in this window. Do we feel like it was enough? Did we feel like they did a great job? We're going to let you know in just a minute. Colin's got some other recruiting news and notes he wants to get into. And we'll also recap the show with a little bit of hoops talk. Big win for Porter Moser's group last night at the LNC. But Colin, let's start with Transfer Portal, like I kind of touched on a second ago there. This window is is just winding down, right? I mean, for the most part, there's not a lot of available bodies still out there. Like I kind of said on Monday when talking with Tom and James, I'm sure you're still kind of monitoring the rosters at Alabama and Washington and Arizona. Maybe Michigan, too, if Jim Harbaugh leaves. These teams that have coaching changes. But for the most part, the dust is kind of settling in the transfer portal. Before we talk about what Oklahoma did, the one guy still hanging out there just to kind of close the book is Lance Hurd. We still have not gotten a commitment announcement yet. We talked about him last week. The five-star offensive tackle from LSU put one year there in Baton Rouge. CK, real quick, before we you know get into the, the class as a whole, yeah. You've been telling our VIP subscribers you're feeling like probably Tennessee here. Is that still the way things kind of stand for you uh, as of now on this you know Thursday morning here? Yeah, look, 10, 17 a.m. Central time on a Thursday, I expect <laughs> Lance Hurd to go to Tennessee. I, that would yeah. be where my prediction would be placed. I'm not going to make a prediction. I've been bouncing off intel with our guys over at Go Vols 24-7 and Look, I, I do also have some sources over at Tennessee who I've trusted. They helped me out with, like, the Jermon McCoy stuff back in the day. And it, all intel that I can gather from whoever I talk to, even on the Oklahoma side of the equation, indicates that Tennessee's going to be the pick. And, look, you took your swing, right? And, and sometimes, man, you go to take that hack, and, like, that first swing is like, oh, you know what I mean? He, he might mm-hmm. have something here, in the, and then all of a sudden – the, the at-bat doesn't go your way. It, this was definitely something you had to do. Lance Hurd is a big Bill Beatonbo fan. He liked Oklahoma, maybe didn't know a ton about the program, wanted to learn more. He just knew that he could get developed there. But Tennessee is is a place that you can go and you can have success in a, as an offensive lineman as well. I mean, Darnell Wright, who just went yeah. in the first round a couple cycles ago, he was my, one of my favorite draft evaluations of that class because what he did at Tennessee was pretty spectacular at right tackle. And I think they're going to let him play left. I think they're going to have some stuff lined up for him. And yeah, sometimes things don't go your way, but Oklahoma definitely made things interesting. Just behind the scenes, things go on, doesn't go in your favor. I think he's going to end up out there in Knoxville. So with that in mind, you know, uh, Assuming her doesn't surprise us, and there's not any other surprises uh, in the transfer portal, it yeah. seems like this this window is probably done. Now, again, there's another window after spring ball. Most fans realize that Oklahoma will probably be active again there. That's where they picked up Dejon Terry last year was in the summer. Um, some other names that I'm escaping. I mean, they, they've gotten notable guys that have contributed immediately in the summer in the past. So it's not like this is completely it. But for now, they have the 25th ranked transfer portal crop. I'll run through the guys real quick. There's 12 total commits here. Spencer Brown, offensive line, Michigan State. San Diego State cornerback, Dejan Malone. Purdue wide receiver, Deion Burks. 
UT Martin running back Sam Franklin, Southeast Louisiana tight end Bauer Sharp, North Texas offensive lineman Fabechi Nwewu, Utah cornerback Jocelyn Malaska, Florida State kicker Tyler Keltner, Miami, Ohio defensive end Caden Woolard, USC offensive lineman Michael Tarquin, Baylor tight end Jake Roberts, and then Florida Atlantic quarterback Casey Thompson, which we talked about on Monday with, with Tom and James. How do you feel like they did? Uh, just 25th ranked, so not the highest portal crop in terms of ranking, not bottom either, 25th. They didn't need, they weren't as in dire of a situation either as they've been. A lot of guys are back, which we've talked about. You know, that was, you, know, you can't really play the both sides of it. Of, wow, look at all the guys that bring back and then be like, why is the portal class not better? They kind of go hand in hand. Um, how do you feel like Oklahoma did? Where would you kind of stack this portal class? Do you feel like Oklahoma did enough? Do you think they need to add more after the spring ball is finished up? Just kind of where are you kind of balancing that right now? Yeah, there, there's some pros and cons here, but I do want to also lead off with something that you mentioned, Josh, because I do feel it's important to kind of reiterate. I do believe, based on what I, I, I've i gathered, this is kind of your group, your group based on this current window. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't mean more transfers aren't on the way. I know a lot of people have been asking on our board about Alabama players, Washington players, some of the stuff that you mentioned. But I think the thing for Oklahoma in this current window before the spring, sometimes in the portal you kind of have to have that draw the luck where maybe some sort of regional power goes through something or guys who you have recruited in high school enter the portal. And I think that's kind of the summation of this group right here, Josh, is a lot of these guys – Oklahoma was at the very least familiar with once upon a time. A lot of these Washington and Alabama players that are headliner types, they don't really know Oklahoma. Oklahoma doesn't really know them. And those relationships that are going from UW to Bama or wherever else, those are typically what carries you through a portal cycle. So how did Oklahoma capitalize on those built-in relationships in this window? I think it's honestly, when you weigh the pros and cons, I find this group fascinating because it really is an incoming class that I think can be summarized by supplementation. That's kind of the word that I'm going with here. I, I, I think let's start with the cons, right? Because you kind of want to address maybe the, some, some of the major misses, but then get into who you actually were able to bring in. Like it, it definitely hurts that you are in the mix for some high-level offensive linemen, right? Yeah. Lance Bird, who's probably going to end up in Tennessee. Terrence Ferguson. A few other names come to mind. Um, defensive tackle was probably one you wanted to address, but Chris McClellan had an opportunity to come through in Missouri that was hard to turn down. You were hoping that David Hicks at Texas A&M was going to hit the portal. That was going to be your number one priority in this window. He didn't do that, which all props to him. He wanted to see it through with this new staff, and I can't blame him. The familiarity out there kept him in college station. And so I think what's difficult, Josh, is I think it's easy for people to look at this class and maybe talk more about the significant misses or lack thereof of major lands. But it is a deep group that, again, I think supplements your roster in a really solid way. I look at the tight end position to start. You know, this window, getting two guys, plus obviously Devon Mitchell enrolling early as a freshman, you just completely overhauled your tight end room in the span of 30 days or so, right? And you had to do that because chances are if a tight end is hitting the portal in the spring, 
he didn't hit the portal in the fall because of what he accomplished during the season. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, someone that's hitting the portal in the spring, for the most part, is just looking for somewhere where they can play. A lot of the fall window is guys who are, again, high-profile players that just had a significant season and want to capitalize on that momentum. And you got two guys at tight end who fit that mold, right? Jake Roberts has been a really good college football player at two different places. I, I like Bauer Sharp as a project tight end, but he just came off really solid here at Southeastern Louisiana. He's a developmental guy, but a lot of people are fascinated by his natural skill set in the portal. So I like this tight end haul. Obviously, Casey Thompson getting him is really cool, not just because of who he is, but I, as you guys talked on the Monday show, like getting him as your backup quarterback in this window is arguably the biggest land of this entire portal cycle when it comes to supplementing mm-hmm. your quarterback room. I, I don't know off the top of my head another college football program in America right now that landed the type of player that Casey Thompson is to come in and be your backup quarterback. I just don't. So then you look at some of these other things and, like, yeah, you, you missed on two big-name offensive linemen. But I kind of like the three you're bringing in. Tarquin is going to be a veteran guy, but he's going to have a lot to prove. I think he's going to have to really stand out at right guard. I kind of like the other cats that you're bringing in, though. Spencer Brown, to me, is going to have to prove himself from a pass protection standpoint. But if I remember correctly, he grades out really well in the run. You kind of want that in your right tackle because you kind of believe you can develop into a really good pass protector at right tackle, i.e. a Tyler Guyton, right? And then... Fabechi and Weiwu has an incredibly high ceiling, I feel like. He's kind of the one of the three that I could see starting next year at maybe left guard and then all of a sudden continuing his, what, multiple freshman All-American honors and accolades going into this next season. He's He's got a chance athletically and all, already where he's at frame-wise to be a really good football player. And then from there, you get a running back, you get an edge player, you kind of get some guys, even a Des John Malone, who probably you took at the time thinking he was going to start a corner for you. I mean, yeah. getting him as your third guy, it's pretty ridiculous, man. When you think he's 6'2", 200, 205 pounds-ish, and now you can have him back up, Woody Washington and Gentry Williams. Obviously, Sam Franklin, a running back, is productive, so on and so forth. Caden Wooler, getting him was solid. I, I, do, I do think, though – the big land you probably hang your hat on when we're breaking down this portal class is that Deion Burks take, right? I mean, that's that's your best player, in my opinion. You landed out of the portal. He's the highest ceiling guy of this entire crew. You took him at a time, Josh, where Texas wanted him, but Texas was also evaluating other wide receivers. And Oklahoma staff basically just said, you're our guy. If you want to come here, come on, like we're done if you don't want to come to Oklahoma. And they won out that pitch. It kind of worked out well for everybody, if I'm being honest, because that time Matthew Golden was being recruited by Texas. He goes to Texas. Oklahoma gets Deion Burks. And I, I can't even remember off the top of my head where Juice Wells ended up. That was kind of that trio that led Deion Burks to Norman. And he he's probably not only a day one starter for you, but he, he could be someone that gets drafted from your program. And so I really like the take of Deion Burks as kind of the kingpin of this class. Yes, it was an incredibly deep wide receiver room to begin with, but why not take a guy like that? And and, in doing so, 
you have a really nice top of the mix piece to to sort of run the show as, as we talk about a group that again I feel like is a really good overall crop of players who can build the depth on this roster for Oklahoma. Yeah, I think it's a solid group. Um, I think 25th ranking, you know, is about accurate. There's nobody here. I mean, outside of probably Dion Barks, that was a massive splash get. You tried, like you said, to get Chris McClellan. That didn't, you know, go the way you were hoping for. Lance Hurd, we just talked about. But you, you scratched some itches here. I mean, when you came into this, this portion, the transfer portal season opened up, I think everybody would have said, okay, they need offensive linemen. And they got three of them. Um, again, you didn't get Ferguson or Herbie. You got three of them. You got Brown, Nwewu, and Tarquin. Decent chance that, what, one or two of those guys start for you um, next season. So you're okay with that. You needed tight ends. You went and got two of them again. Um, you probably needed a cornerback. You went and got two of them. You needed a kicker. You went and got one from, from Florida State and Tyler Keltner. You needed a backup quarterback. You got one. So, I mean, they, they kind of fill a lot of needs. Now, like yeah. I said, the tackle maybe would have liked to have found somebody there. Can look for that later, you know, in the post-spring uh, window. But, yeah, I mean, the group overall, I mean, I, you look at it, there's 12 guys here. I mean, how many of these guys could you see contributing right away? I think that number's pretty high. So, um, yeah, I think it's a fine group. It's not going to blow you away. But then, like I said earlier, when you're bringing back as many guys that are bringing back, it just it doesn't make sense that those two things those two things are married together. If you're bringing back your entire defense, which they are basically, you're not going to have a bunch of guys who are immediate starters because you already have a lot of your starters. I mean, just it's just common sense. So the Porter class, I think, is is solid. Not in not not loaded, but solid. And there's a lot of contributors here. So I think Oklahoma's got to be overall relatively pleased, and they'll look to add more, like we said, after the spring spring ball finishes up. If you're going to be truly about competitive depth, quote unquote, then this is the class yeah. for you. You know what I mean? So I, I truly do believe, though, again, to reiterate exactly what you said, because it's a point to hammer home. There are still a lot of players on this list of 12 who will probably be playing for you potentially on day one. And that's all you can mm -hmm. ask for. In an era of the portal in which a lot of guys are just simply trying to actually play football, you got guys who have played football and can probably play for you quickly or even right away. Is D-tackle where you think will be the main emphasis in the post-spring? Is there anything that stands out as we kind of wrap this up as far as definitely – and we'll see how spring ball goes. You never know who's yeah. going to maybe get hurt in spring or, or whatever. But it, what's the emphasis you think for Oklahoma after spring? Is it D-tackle? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I think there's two things here. Defensive tackle and then – still landing offensive line pieces. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the three guys, but I think Tarquin, even though he's played a lot of ball, he has a lot to work on in his game objectively. Fabecci's a younger guy with a high ceiling, but it, it could be a little bit of a, a learning curve for him. And then Spencer Brown, obviously, is another guy who's played ball, but there are things that he will have to develop. And on top of that, you, you still lost five starters. And so mm -hmm. I, I think it's going to be really hard to get defensive tackles and offensive linemen out of the spring window. But you've done it before, right? I, I think Dejon Terry, Phil Paella was after the spring window, if I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah right. So you can get defensive tackles. And then offensive line-wise – why you're kind of hesitant is you got three dudes 
But now guys are going to go through spring ball. They're going to fight for a starting job. And typically the dudes that are losing those jobs are hitting the portal on the offensive line. So this is why I bring all this up, Josh, honestly. Those are the needs. But can they be addressed? I I would set expectations at a reasonable level because – Yes, everyone's going to be clamoring for Oklahoma to land a defensive tackler and offensive lineman in the spring window. But why I, I why I again contextualize all this is sometimes there's just not going to be a talent out there that makes a ton of sense. Mm-hmm. I think there will be one or two, but just something to keep in mind. This group that they went after, they went after these guys for a reason. A lot of these guys are off the season. They played a ton of ball, things of that nature. And so now it's about being a little bit more picky off of this class and finding guys who sort of fit the mold. Again, guys who have played football and can play football for you right away. Brennan Thompson, another one, popped in my head. That's a guy they added in the sure. post-spring. So, I mean, it, it can be, you know, there's guys out there. There will be talent, and they'll look to add more. But overall, solid group to add in, again, to what you have coming back, which is a lot. Uh, a lot. Yeah. Woody Washington, back. Danny Sussman, back. Billy Bowman, back. Ethan Dillon's back. I mean, that, that's a lot bringing back. You're not going to get a lot of – you know, you just don't need to. Um, so good group overall, and we'll see how they add to it in the uh, post-spring portal window uh, after spring ball finishes up. The Sooners Illustrated podcast will be back after this short break. All the recruiting stuff. You guys some camps over the weekend down there in uh, DFW and in Houston, I believe. Or some things that stuck out or uh, little news and notes that you got. We'll also look at junior day. Uh, coming up, obviously, next weekend in, in just a second. But as far as some camp stuff, uh, what what jumped out and what uh, what do you want to pass along to uh, fans tuning in? Yeah, there's definitely stuff that I gathered over the weekend in my travels that applies to the coming days and weeks of Oklahoma recruiting. So, for starters, I was at the Next Level Athlete Top 100 Showcase down here in Texas. They have a Houston session and then a Dallas session, so I drove down there. Did the Houston one, turned right back around, drove back up, hit the Dallas one the next day. And why this camp is relevant, why I want to talk about it, is it is essentially a camp that college programs, Power 5 programs, subscribe to their services. And they invite these players who they feel are some of the top roughly 100 players in the area of that uh, part of Texas that they're in. And they have them go through drills. They have them go through positional stuff. Then they have them go through one-on-ones. And then mm-hmm. they send all this film out to these college programs. And so why am I talking about all this? Basically, guys who are worthy of offers were at these camps. A lot of them. And so <laughs> it was. A, it was. it's always one of the most stacked camp circuits in the state of Texas that no one talks about. So I want to give them their flowers. It's always an opportunity for me to get ahead on guys that are on their way up, get to know some of those freshmen and sophomores. But then the juniors come, and they're obviously going into their senior class. This is kind of like them showing how far they've progressed. So real quick on the on the Houston camp, Josh, there were younger guys with Oklahoma offers there. Mike Brown out of the greater Houston area, a wide receiver who came to Oklahoma summer camp and just beat the brakes off of everybody. I mean, he embarrassed – senior defensive backs. He looked really good again. But the guy from the Houston session that I really want to talk about is Oklahoma running back commit Jonathan Hatton Jr. Mm. 
We did like, I swear when he committed, I was telling him about this. You and I sat down and I think I talked about him for like two hours. Cause like he's, he's one of my favorite recruits across any classification right now. Yeah. He pulled up and Josh, he is, he is still like a sophomore in high school. He is roughly like six foot one and a half. He might be borderline six two. I swear he's above 200 pounds now. I don't have the exact measurement. But when I say he pulled up and he looked like a horse and moved around like a gazelle, I was like, what are, What is the water out there? You know? And I had yeah. people coming up to me knowing I was an Oklahoma beat reporter. I had people coming up to me during the camp and being like, he's the best one here. And it's not close. Yeah. Yeah. Oklahoma's got a pretty ridiculous talent committed to them as a sophomore, man. And I've, I'm going to have a story on him coming to the site soon. I interviewed him afterwards. But he basically was just like, yeah, I wanted to commit early. I went to Oklahoma, realized it felt like home, and I don't really care about doing anything else recruiting-wise. I just want to play football. I was like, dude, I, you, I, you have no idea how mature you are, man. Like, he kind of took that leap of faith in Oklahoma. And I know the cynical fan out there. I get every reason to be like, he's a young guy. Why should I even buy in? I, every time I talk to Jonathan and every time I talk to people about Jonathan, not only do they talk about how ridiculously freaky he is already, but how he just does not care about anything other than getting better and being mm -hmm. Oklahoma. So that was really cool to see. And he, he just, I don't know, man, he's one of my favorites that I'm already covering. Um, then Dallas, and Dallas is where the recruiting coverage nerds are going to want to dial in because it was loaded. Uh, I'll start with a commit again, just kind of letting people know how the guys who already pledged are doing. Owen Hollenbeck, the rising senior center commit for Oklahoma in 2025, he pulled up. I had someone tell me, after the camp, he is roughly six foot three, maybe six foot three and a half, and he's roaming around at about three hundred and forty pounds right now. Not bad. Uh, not bad at all. Now he's gonna have to he's gonna have to melt it down a little bit. But again, I just bring this up because I'm like, folks, you have no idea how big these kids are, man. I, I just three hundred and forty pounds, and he just finished up his junior season. He's like still in school as a junior, and he's three hundred and forty pounds. He pulled up. And, Josh, I've never seen anything in all my years covering camps, showcases, seven-on-seven -seven circuits, anything like that. I've never seen anything like this. Owen was beating people so bad at center. And keep in mind, this is not with the pads on or anything. This is just straight up like T-shirts and hands. He was beating people so bad, the coaches had to start calling kids to get into nose tackle because no one wanted to face him. I just, <laughs> they, were, they were literally afraid to put oh, that yeah. And even like I'm texting Owen Hollenbeck's offensive line coach, my guy John Roche over at Melissa High. Great dude, develops Melissa offensive line really well. And I'm like, John, he is he's whooping people like to the point of embarrassment. I, I have not seen this. Like they're afraid to line it up against him. And he texts me back something like, Yeah, well, he's sitting a little flat in his pass sets. And I'm like, Are you not seeing what I'm seeing right now? Like Anyway, all that to say, Owen Hollenbeck was killing it. He he is obviously still a guard in Melissa, but for him to pull up as a center and dominate, kind of play out of position, but 
the position that he will play in college. Really cool to see. All right, rapid fire here. Some of the guys that have offers that I feel are relevant to talk about. First off, Malik Hawkins, Michael Hawkins' younger brother, won the yeah. MVP. He was a standout, I believe, at corner. I think he sprinkled in at safety. I was doing the whole line D line evaluation stuff. So Malik Hawkins wins defensive back MVP. I believe that now makes it two years in a row because Michael Hawkins, I believe, won quarterback MVP at the same camp the year before. So the Hawkins brothers claim MVP honors there. He looked really solid. Obviously, I still think he'll fall spot there. Uh, I talked to Ty Haywood, the four-star offensive tackle at Den Ryan. That's my guy. He and I have become close. So I went out there to see him before he kind of became a big-time name. And he's always kind of been transparent in the fact that Oklahoma has been the, the school that's recruiting him the most, more than any other school. Bill Beanbow has been the coach that has recruiting him, recruited him for the longest and has been recruiting him for the heaviest. I think Ty is definitely someone that we can talk about maybe next week for the Junior Day show, Josh. A little teaser here. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm trying bait the hook. But why I say that for our viewers is he's going to kind of have a decision on his hands. You know, he's been around Oklahoma so much and he has so much familiarity with the program that now is kind of that time where schools are trying to build up their level of familiarity with him to the level in which he has with Oklahoma. So he may be bouncing around a little bit. He told me that he's going to probably have to make a decision as far as where he goes on the 27th, but he will be at Texas this weekend and Kyle Flood, when I went out there to see Ty, I believe in early August, he he was like, Bill Beanbo is the coach recruiting me the most and the heaviest, but Kyle Flood just called me yesterday. So from August to now, Kyle Flood and Texas have been trying to build up their rapport with Ty Haywood. Something to watch as we get into this weekend to the 20th. Lamont Rogers was there, another four-star offensive tackle, him and Mesquite Horn. I've been very vocal about it for our subscribers. I like where Oklahoma has positioned itself with Lamont Rogers, but he's another that's kind of got some stuff going on. And this is for context, guys. Like, if you don't know how this kind of stuff goes in January, this January stretch where we really start to turn the page from the senior class to the junior class as those juniors become seniors, January is when you have a lot of programs having junior day events. So they're bringing in all the top talent from the junior class and saying, hey, you're our priority now. Please like us. Lamont's going to have to figure out if he wants to go to Texas or Tennessee this weekend. I believe he's going to Texas, but I know Tennessee is a big part of his recruitment. And then Oklahoma and Texas A&M are doing a junior day on that 27th weekend. He's going to have to make a decision on that front as well. Interesting to kind of hear from him. And there are a few other guys that we could sit here and discuss, but long story short, these guys were out camping. They were getting better, things of that nature. And now they leave that camp, and it's all about visits from here through the next maybe two months or so. So I yeah. want to sprinkle in some offensive tackle intel and all that because Junior Day is definitely coming up soon. Yeah, Junior Day on the horizon uh, next weekend. Great time to become a VIP subscriber. Colin's been all over it. Uh, lots of news and notes this week, Transfer Portal and on the recruiting side. And that's more to come with Junior Day coming up next weekend. So like you kind of said, we'll really dive into all of it next week. But as far as now, 
what are kind of uh, fans should know about the the crop that's coming in for that big junior day visit weekend, which if I'm familiar is one of the bigger recruiting weekends Oklahoma has, especially this this portion of the year in, in January. A lot of guys will be in town next weekend. Um, what are some early thoughts uh, about the group coming in and, and things you're going to be watching for? And again, we'll break it down in full next week, but as, as things stand today. Yeah, kind of a quick touch up here. I just want to mention, like, I think there's two parts to the equation here when you look at junior day. Oklahoma either will have an opportunity to close ground or cover ground with a lot mm -hmm. of guys. And I know that sounds kind of like a blanket statement, but why I bring that up, if you kind of look at some guys who have gone public social media-wise and have revealed that they're going to be in Norman, I'm not breaking any news here, but guys like Landon Rink, Kobe Sellers, Jonah Williams, the five-star safety linebacker. Mm -hmm. There are guys that Oklahoma really, really wants. And they're coming to junior day. And either this weekend could help you actually maybe even earn a commitment from them. Or this is might this might literally be your last hurrah. You know, I, I think kind of getting into the the weeds here and, and obviously next week we'll get into a lot more of these types of guys but like a landon rank just visited texas a&m the aggies have two junior days this month and it sounded like the visit went well landon has always kind of seemed like a texas lean behind the scenes he mm. i believe his family is basically all texas alum and he has some close friends there but he lives in the houston area so texas a&m is very present Oklahoma's hosted Landon, and every time he visits, I always hear about how well those trips go, Josh, and yet here we are, and I still feel like Oklahoma has a lot of work to do. So junior day coming into effect, but then there's the flip side of this equation and a guy like Kobe Sellers who I kind of think Oklahoma's definitely in the lead for, and if you bring a guy like that on campus – and there are names in his roughly top four to five schools who I truly don't think have as much traction as Oklahoma does right now. Mm -hmm. The beauty of junior day is everyone wants to know, are they going to get any commitments? I mean, it's someone like Kobe Sellers, man. You don't say no, you know, never say never. And so right. there's a couple of cats that have already revealed their intentions of being in Norman. They're incredibly important for different reasons to have them out there. But I, I wanted to kind of close here with the big name who went public, and that's Jonah Williams. Five-star linebacker, safety type. I think his highest ceiling is as a safety. Anytime you bring this up in the state of Texas, Josh, everyone has an opinion for you. And I'm like, I don't care. He's just really good at football. Um, <laughs> Jonah... Being in Norman does two things, in my opinion. Number one, you know, there are schools like Ohio State and Oregon, and those schools obviously are going to try and host him, I would guess, in like February or March. So this is your, your opportunity to sort of build more momentum with him before he goes and sees very real non-regional powers that are involved, but Texas, Texas A&M, LSU is kind of sprinkled in there from time to time. You know, 
Texas A&M, again, is hosting another junior day that same weekend as Oklahoma. I don't think that Jonah Williams showing up in Norman instead of College Station for that weekend is a, is a small feat. I think just right. him in Norman is big. And then, I, I, you know, this is kind of for our VIP subscribers because, again, if you sign up, you can go anywhere in the 24-7 Sports Network and read content. But I, he may or may not be at Texas's junior day this weekend. I, You know, I'll have to click over to Horns 24-7 with our VIP subscribers who can do the same thing and double-check on that front. But I hope you see what I'm doing here, by the way. I'm trying to be <laughs> um, The plug. Yeah. Man. Look, look. Someone asked me during the VIP chat last night a really good question, I thought. And it was, does Oklahoma land a five-star defensive player for the third consecutive year? And obviously that would essentially mean that every year that Brent Venables, the head coach, has mm-hmm. landed a five-star defensive player. In my opinion, if that's going to get done, it would have to be Jonah Williams. So – any opportunity to get this guy on campus and gain momentum with him, I, you can't take it for granted. You just can't because this is kind of that that kingpin piece of sorts who if you land him as your your top dog defensive player in the class of 2025, yeah. That that's that continues to reinforce the idea that Brent Venables has this thing on the right track. So Jonah Williams and Norman is a very big deal, man. And so I kind of wanted to break that down real quick and basically just say when we talk about Junior Day and why it's so important, Jonah Williams might be the one summation of it all. Lots to look forward to. And, uh, again, good time to be a BAP subscriber. And next Thursday, be sure to tune in because that will do the full kind of preview storylines, names to watch, and, and all that good stuff going into that Junior Day weekend, which is next weekend. Uh, in Norman. So uh, exciting times, exciting times, kind of shifting out of transfer portal back to uh, a little more traditional high school recruiting stuff next week and look forward to that. going to be a big weekend there in Norman. Four. Yeah, it's so sick, man, not having to get left on red by transfer portal players and all that. <laughs> these, actually, these recruits, they actually like talking to you. And so, yeah, it's a great time. It's going to be really cool. Yeah. You know, I, I, Josh, just to reiterate too, like, it's funny. There's like multiple other five stars on this list that we haven't even touched on. So there's a lot. It's going to be pretty cool junior day time next week. Hope y'all join us because it's definitely going to be worth it. And again, uh, this might be the record for most VIP subscriber plugs, but if you are a VIP subscriber, Colin has a full list of guys that he anticipates are going to be there in town with, you know, quick write up on each guy, very in depth. If you're with us as soon as illustrated, you're up to date, you're in. So do it. Join, join along with us. Um, all right, so to wrap up, a little bit of hoops. Big win last night. Our reporter Moser and the guys, they had West Virginia at home. We're talking on Monday with Tom and James. It's just one of those games you have to win. The Big 12 is so unforgiving. There's so many good teams. West Virginia is one of the few teams in the conference that you would say legitimately is not very good. It's kind of West Virginia, Oklahoma State, clearly, and then maybe Texas, surprisingly, but – Clearly, West Virginia and Oklahoma State are kind of your bottom two right now, so you, you got to beat them at all. It goes without saying. And they did that. They kind of were lethargic early. It was only a four-point game at halftime. But even then, you know, I hopped in our VIP message board, the game thread, and I said at halftime, I chir- chirped in, it feels like Oklahoma's in great shape here. <laughs> they're only up four, but they're, you know, they just kind of started to get it going a little bit toward the end of the half. 
and they end up winning very comfortably. Jalen Moore was fantastic again. Um, there's an argument to me that Jalen Moore has been Oklahoma's best player uh, this year, which and nobody expected that coming in. He's certainly in the conversation for Oklahoma's most consistent. Um, you know, at times it's been J.B. McComb, other times it's been Milo Suzon. But right now, Jalen Moore is playing at a very high level, and uh, he was great again last night. Oklahoma got the job done, and like I said, you have to win your home games. They're now 2-0 and in Big 12 play at home. They're 11-0 at home overall this season. Cincinnati this weekend, which is another tough road trip. They're all tough, and we'll see what they can do with that. But good bounce-back performance by Oklahoma because that was a big question mark. I talked about on Monday, you know, going back whenever they were playing really well in December, really my only big question was whenever they inevitably lose one or two games in Big 12 play in a row, Right. Can they avoid it snowballing on them and they lose three, four in a row, and now you're in a hole that's really hard to dig out of when you're playing a really good team every other day in the Big 12? And they did that. They bounced back. They were locked in. They won soundly against a team that they should beat. Yeah. And so uh, a lot to like there for Porter Moser and Oklahoma. I think good, good win to get back on track uh, last night. Yeah, and look, I, I kind of felt like the off-the-rail stuff got a little bit overblown. Maybe you're kind of with me in this camp, but TCU's a really good basketball oh, team. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Home, and then I don't think you ever really had the true expectation of being like, you should win that game out there at the Fog, the last one playing a top 3-4 Kansas team. I, I do think, though, it is, again, incredibly important, like you mentioned, you get that West Virginia win. You kind of hopefully get a nice – road win against Cincinnati because that next three-game stretch, obviously you want to win at home, but you want to win at home against Texas. And as we've seen, man, in the past, like sometimes Texas will be down as a basketball team, and mm -hmm. it'll go right into Norman and beat you. So you want to beat the Longhorns, get that rivalry win. You've got Texas Tech coming to Norman, it looks like, soon as well. Kansas State, too, it looks like what I've seen they got some shot makers. They, I, I love that Kansas State basketball program, and I believe you got to go on the road there as well. So kind of a key three-game stretcher coming up. And, and again, I, I, I didn't really buy into the theory that they were slipping a little bit during that two-game skid. Yeah, right. But this, this is the nature of the Big 12. It's one of the best basketball conferences in the country, and you've got to get your games where you can because, again, those stretches that I just mentioned – they pop up, and all of a sudden you're staring down a, a two-win, three-loss type of roller coaster. So let's see how this thing rides out. But, I, I again, I think this is what you kind of ask for if you're an Oklahoma fan. So. For sure. And, and Texas, you know, Texas has got a lot of talent. I mean, hand up, coming into the year, I mean, they were ranked highly for a reason in the preseason poll. There was a lot of thought that they're going to be darn yeah. good to bring in Max A. Smith from in our state at Oral Roberts, and it just hasn't connected so far bad loss last night to UCF at home the game was in Austin they led by double digits in the second half and lost that game to UCF last night can't do that in right. the Big 12 so that's gonna be a desperate team coming to Norman next Tuesday and then, yeah Cincinnati's playing good ball if you can find a way to steal that Cincinnati game this weekend because just getting one or two road games literally is going to probably be enough to get you into the top five or six in the Big 12 because winning on the road is just a chore in this yeah. conference uh right now so you feel like Texas at home and Texas Tech at home next week, those are both games you're going to be favored in. So if you can find a way to win the Cincinnati game, all of a sudden you could be looking at a three, four-game win streak or so. I mean, don't encounter chickens where they hatch. But you're in a good good spot here in the schedule to try and get a little momentum uh, built up. The Big 12 is very unforgiving. So the, the ones that are there to be to be had, you you got to get them. So 
We'll see what they can do this weekend. Tough game there at uh, Cincinnati. The football team got the job done in Cincinnati this year. We'll see if the basketball team can do the same. I think that's it. We'll be back on Monday, Tom James and myself, uh, to recap that Cincinnati basketball game and all the latest with OU football, uh, obviously, as well. CK will be back on next Thursday to preview Junior Day and anything else that goes on in the world of recruiting and OU football as well. Be sure to tune in, become a VIP subscriber, all that good stuff. Be sure to like, comment, leave a review, subscribe, wherever you're listening or watching the show if you're on us uh, with us on YouTube. Appreciate you tuning in as always. CK, have a good weekend, man. I'll catch you uh, next Thursday right back here. Hey, I'll stay warm. I'll see you all next Thursday. It's been like in the 40s. It's been hot by comparison to what it was uh, last weekend. So I've been enjoying it the last couple yeah. of days. It's been nice. It's been nice. Single so, digits can go ahead and get the hell out of here. That's, yeah, know. enough of that. I'll take the triple digits over the single digits. That's just me. All right, that's it. We'll be back on Monday with Tom and James. Recap all the latest so you football and basketball. We'll see you guys then for Colin Kendi. I'm Josh Calloway. We'll see you guys next time on the Sooners Illustrated podcast.